What is up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamManBaseballFan.com. I did a uh, show for everybody last night, but guess what? My uh, my new nifty uh, headphones that I was using to talk into, they stopped working well. And so like halfway into it, after listening to it again, it just wasn't picking up the audio. So uh, yeah, not, not happy about that. But anyway, so I'm going to spend a few minutes in the middle of my work day here to kind of go over a little bit of what I was talking about last night. So uh, somebody on the Facebook groups, uh, some baseball card group was talking about uh, or asking the question, what is the most iconic baseball card of the 1980s? Now, I thought this is intriguing because you have a lot of options. Um, you know, certainly you could go for something like 1980 Tops Ricky Henderson, which, by the way, I thought it would be kind of a fun uh little project to start a binder of like all of the iconic cards from the 1980s um minus a few of the uh uh you know massive like error inserts or maybe with them i'm not sure i don't know how much the uh a7 donner's barry bonds opening day johnny ray error goes for little field or anything like that from ac flair i'm not sure but um anyways just a little side note i thought that'd be kind of a, a fun thing to uh, a fun little project to take on. So um, anyway, so there's a lot of um, uh, possibilities that we have. Um, you have like the 80 tops Ricky Henderson. You've got the 82 tops traded Ripken. And, and really interestingly enough, um, you know, depending on what time period you collected, even if you collected in the early 80s, you might think of like the 81 tops. Fernando Valenzuela is being one of the most iconic cards because of uh, Fernando Mania back then. To that point, you might also think that A4 Donruss, uh, Dom Manley, was uh, you know one of the most iconic cards out there, which you know it certainly can be in its own right. Uh, you know he's no Hall of Famer, but you know that's kind of what started like the massive rookie craze for many uh, back then. So uh, you know case can be said for. The 85 tops Mark McGuire because of his uh, 87 rookie campaign and the home run record chase of 98 that he was in with uh, Sammy Sosa because that card went just bananas back then. Um, so we have a lot of options here. So another one, of course, as well is uh, what my pick would be, would be the 1989 Upper Deck Ken Griffey Jr. Um, and obviously, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the A6 Donner Rookies Canseco. Um, so, because that was a massively huge card back in its day. So uh, everybody wanted that card. It was like the... It was like the holy grail for a lot of people. And interestingly enough, I, I just uh, I made a uh, uh, like an infographic on this about a week or two ago. But uh, that '86 Donruss rookie uh, Ray rookie Canseco is actually 34 years old today. Even more interesting is when that card was new, the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle was 34 years old. So kind of interesting that. Uh, <laughs> How that works out. I mean, it just seems uh, to me that we're uh, we're all getting really old nowadays. <laughs> but anyway, so 1989 Upper Deck Ken Griffey Jr. That's definitely um, you know the one that I would say is the most iconic. Um, I ran some numbers and and believe me, guys, like this is very 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 fuzzy math here. But anyway, so I I'm sorry, guys. I had to deal with the programmer here. So anyways, this is going to be um, some pretty fuzzy math it's going to be something that uh 
um, I'm not really sure what to make of it. Um, trying to kind of quantify uh, with numbers, like what the actual most iconic card of the 80s could be. And I think I've got a pretty good uh, ringer for the A9 Upper Deck Griffey. So first of all, let me talk about this A9 Griffey for a second. Um, now, obviously, Griffey had a number of, uh, of rookie cards. So he had Bowman, Bowman Tiffany, Donner's Ray Rookie, Donner's Thor Rookies, uh, Donner's Baseball's Best, I think, uh, Fleer, Fleer Glossy, um, let's see, Score Rookie and Traded, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be missing some, like, you know, Mother's Cookies and that sort of thing, but we'll stick with the, with the main ones. Um, you know, Tops Traded, and, of course, Upper Deck. And like I said, probably missed a few in there. Uh, so why was the upper deck, why, why is that one stick far above everybody else? Um, it's not that it was rare because it's definitely not a rare card. Gosh, it's not a rare card. <laughs> like there's probably a couple million of them out there or something. Um, but you know, you look at the Donruss and the Fleer offerings, for instance, um, you know, rated rookie, you know, is the rate rookie itself is just an iconic logo and, and brand. Uh, for any cards, which is uh, fantastic, of course. The thing is, is, is Griffey, it doesn't capture the essence of who he is. Um, he looks kind of like a thug <laughs> in his Donerson and uh, uh, Fleer uh, rookie offerings. For Upper Deck, though, it captures everything that's Ken Griffey Jr. He's got the 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 kid, the kid smile, you know, and and uh, you can't help but smile looking at that card. And uh, an interesting fact on that card, by the way, um, that was like one of the first, uh, not one of the first, but it was uh, an early quote-unquote Photoshop job before there was Photoshop. Uh, he is actually not wearing a Seattle Mariners cap in that picture. He's actually wearing a minor league cap, and they actually did some uh, graphic work to make it look like it was from the Mariners. So if you didn't know that, that's now something you know. Pretty interesting. Uh, so, obviously, you know some other things that you want to um, you want to look at is uh, the fact that it was Upper Deck's first offering um, of baseball cards, and that's not really a big deal for a lot of uh, companies. Like, for instance, Fleer's first offering of eighty one of eighty one. Same with Donner's, no big deal. You know, eighty eight score, yeah, it didn't really make a huge splash. Upper Deck made a splash. Upper Deck made such a splash that when it hit the water, all the water came out of the pool. That's how big of a splash it was. Um, and so everybody loved it. It was it like redefined uh, what a premium card was. The card stock, the hologram on the back. Um, another thing that Upper Deck had was the Star Rookies branding logo, which was um, which is a lot nicer also than, say, the the Fleer, the Score, the Bowman, the Tops rookie cards of his that didn't really have any uh, notation that it was a rookie card. Um, so, and also, let's not forget uh, that uh, it was the first card of the set. So that was the first card ever uh, that was an official release by Upper Deck. So um, it really kind of checks all the boxes um, as far as uh, why it's a big deal of a card. And plus, you know, let's not forget the player, King Griffey Jr., the kid, the the one of the best players ever to play the game. He was somebody that you could almost say that uh, was perhaps the biggest star in the steroid era that didn't take steroids. 
Um, and so that's, that's a big deal also. Like he played the game, right? You know, who does not love Ken Griffey Jr.? I mean, if you don't love Ken Griffey Jr., you probably aren't a baseball fan. So, uh, anyways, yeah, it's, it's just a fantastic card. So now you can obviously say a lot of great things for all those other cards out there. The A2 Ripken, the A5 McGuire, the A6 Bonds, the, you know, so like there's so many cards you could pick from, but for me, that's the most iconic card um, from the 80s. So with all of the uh, questions circling, like what the most iconic card is uh, of the 80s, um, you know, yeah, I, I put all my stock in uh, the Griffey being the face of that baseball card era. And, you know, of course, uh, I think probably why this is so hotly contested as well is because we're actually talking about like what the faces of a lot of people's childhood. So uh, it's a, yeah, we, we get it. We get a lot of, uh, you know, crap to cards from the eighties because it's the junk wax era and all this stuff. And, you know, Oh, none of the cards are worth anything there. But another way to look at it is it is the biggest time in our hobbies history. And, uh, you know, baseball cards have been around for, you know, close to 150 years. Uh, the 1980s, probably is unmatched when it comes to uh, a time when baseball card collecting was was popular. So, um, you know, a lot of people that grew up in the 80s, they were so wrapped up in baseball cards that that's really kind of part of your, uh, um, you know, childhood. So, so we're almost trying to determine like, what card best represents your childhood? So I can understand how this is, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that says, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's not really uh, a set thing. You can't have like an official card that everybody has to comply with saying that this is the face of 1980s baseball. But what I did is, is uh, as I was talking about my uh, fuzzy math earlier, I don't really know what to do with these numbers. Um, Somebody far smarter than me will probably be able to figure out, number one, how to make sense of this, or number two, to tell me that this is just bunk, you know, that there's there's nothing to this at all. But I found it interesting, so I'll tell you the little the little uh, test I ran. So what I did, first of all, is I know a lot of people aren't really a big fan of PSA nowadays, um, and I understand. I get it completely, but... Um, I also can understand the desire of somebody growing up in the 80s that wants, uh, that just loves nostalgia, that wants a, an absolute perfect copy of one of their favorite cards. Um, and so for this purpose, for this uh, little test I did, I used PSA 10 cards and I used the PSA website to check out the pop report. So what a pop report is, by the way, is a population report. How many cards are graded a specific grade number and, and that website will tell you. Um, is it accurate? For the most part, probably, but you know, there's gonna be a lot of cards that have been cracked out and resubmitted. And probably PSA 10s are not gonna uh, have that many problems uh, with those with that, but when it comes to PSA 7s, 8s, and 9s, you probably have a little more uh, to worry about. But anyway, so for the test of my, uh, for the purpose of my test here, I use PSA 10 uh, cards, um, grade cards of seven different iconic cards. So I'll tell you what they are. The 80 tops Ricky Henderson, the 82 tops Trey Ripken, the 84 Donners Mattingly, 84 Flare Update Clemens, 
85 tops Tiffany McGuire, 86 tops Tiffany traded bonds, and last but not least, the 89 upper deck Griffey. So I'll go through the pop reports and how much they sell for um, on average. And um, I will also tell you how much the total value of the PSA 10 card population is worth. Like I said, I don't know if this really uh, does anything for you or uh, anything else beyond the fact that it's just kind of interesting. <laughs> so the 80 tops, Ricky Henderson has uh, the last one in PSA 10 format sold for $22,000. Now that's a big deal. That's way more than any of these other cards. But why? Well, the population of that PSA 10 card is only 24. So when you multiply 24 to 22,000, which by the way, I don't know if there's going to be 24 buyers at $22,000. I just don't. But there's, uh, whenever you multiply them up, it comes out to be around $525,000. So, you know, if you're looking for a PSA 10, if, you look, if you're going to look, uh, looking for all of the PSA 10 80 tops Ricky Henderson's, $525,000 is probably the price tag. Moving to 82 tops traded Cal Ripken Jr., you can pick up a PSA 10, one of those, for around $1,300 nowadays. The population of that is 383. So it is like, what, I don't know, over 10 times what the Ricky Henderson is. Like, it's a lot more plentiful. But it's still pretty rare. I mean, 383 cards. Uh, it's not like there's going to be a bunch of people are selling those anyways. The total value of those is about $500,000. So question is, as you look at those two, uh, what would the value of the 80 tops Ripken uh, or 80 tops Ricky Henderson be in PSA 10 format if there were 383 of those as opposed to 24 of those? On the flip side of the coin, imagine um, how much the Ripken would be if there were only 24. <laughs> so that'd be pretty amazing. And also, by the way, as I go through some of these numbers, you might find them, you know, pretty eye-popping if you didn't know because like a lot of these cards raw like you probably find a raw 80 top scruffy uh ricky henderson that looks pretty good for i don't know 20 bucks or something and you know the rip can certainly significantly less than 1300 for a raw copy of it um i mean shoot i think i had a, a psa 9 for 200 so a raw one who knows maybe 10 20 bucks i don't know i haven't paid attention but uh a4 donruss mattingly you could get that for around $1,300 now as well in PSA 10 form. There's 278 of those. So the total value of PSA 10s, uh, according to this, is around $375,000. Uh, when you move over to 1984 Fleur Update Roger Clemens, they go for about $750 each, but there's 544 of them. So the total, $400,000. 85 tops Tiffany McGuire, you're going to have to expect to pay $4,000 for one of those, but there's only 35 of them. Total $140,000. So, um, you know, yeah, it's a, it, one thing you could tell right off the bat probably is if there were 500, those 85 tops Tiffany McGuire's, no way they go for four grand. You know, they'd be significantly, significantly less. So, uh, I mean, if, if everything were linear, you could probably, you know, say, okay, if there are 10 times of the Maguires, then you could probably go for a 10th of, 
uh, what they are now. So if they're 350 Tiffany McGuire's, then maybe they go for 400 each. I'm not quite sure it works that way. I don't know. But yeah, I didn't even drill that deep down. But I just found this kind of interesting. So there's two more. There's one more before we actually get to the Griffey. So uh, 86 Tops Trade Tiffany Berry Bonds. Those go for around $1,700 each, which, again, guys, like, I think y'all are probably having a lot of your jaws on the floor if you're thinking, like, wait, what? How is a Barry Bonds rookie from A6 Tops, Tiffany, mind you, uh, going for $1,700? Well, it's PSA 10. Uh, the pop report is 439 Could you imagine? Could you imagine if there are only 43 of them out there? I think they go for way more than seventeen hundred. So doing that uh, that ten x calculation. So imagine there's only forty three. You multiply the price by ten. Seventeen thousand dollars each for those. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. So now, what about the Griffey? The Griffey, which interestingly enough, I've been I've been watching this card. Like it's been steadily increasing in value. Um, and this is what I think also. Uh, lends credence to my thought that this is the most iconic card. This is the card that most people gravitate toward um, if they want a clean, perfect copy of a representation of what 80s cards were. Um, is uh, It's been steadily increasing in value, and right now you probably get one for around $650 in PSA 10 format. So, um, you know, remember the, the Clemens, as far as price on all these, the closest one... Uh, in prices, the Clemens, which has 544 of them. Uh, the pop report on PSA 10 at 89 Upper Deck Griffey's is 3,767. So this, like, for instance, like, is nuts because this is like over 100 times more than the population of the Ricky Henderson. This is about 10 times as many as the Trey Ripken. Uh, over 10 times the Mattingly, nearly 10 times the Clemens. Um, over a hundred times as many as the McGuire and, you know, probably a little under 10 times the amount of the bond. So, uh, it is an extremely healthy value for something with such a high pop report. And I think the only way that this card has increased is because many, many, many people see this as the card they want, uh, to represent the eighties, like the, the cream of the crop for, you know, their childhood. So, um, could you imagine just for a second if there were 376 of them instead of 3,767? Do they go for $6,500 each? Maybe, you know, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's uh, it's pretty incredible to me that there's so many PSA 10s and it still goes for $650 and is continuing to rise. The total value of those, by the way, two and a half million dollars it dwarfs all of the other values altogether so it might even come close to being more than all of the others i talked about combined um and uh, yeah it looks like it does let's see here yeah very close to it or, or might even equal or, or pass it a little bit but um anyway so just some fun numbers i i don't know why i just love messing with numbers so you know i hopped on the psa website and, and uh, looked up all this stuff and just had kind of a blast to doing it. So anyways, that's kind of, you know, one of the, one of the other reasons why that card is the, is uh, the representation of the iconic, most iconic card of the eighties for me. Um, 
I picked up my copy, I think, earlier this year from somebody named Joe Rosen, who I actually had on my show, but the audio was terrible and kind of ruined everything. But which, interestingly enough, he got in, got back into the hobby not too long ago. And that was the first card he picked up because that was the card that he always wanted as a kid. So it's kind of fun to have that. He he ultimately sold it because he went into vintage um got some amazing pre-war stuff and then just recently sold out. <laughs> so uh, great thing about baseball cards is they're very, they're very liquid. You can, you can, you know, kind of buy and sell and trade and uh, you're not stuck with stuff as long as you uh, can sell things for the right price. So anyway, so that is my pick. I would love to hear what your pick is for the most iconic card of the eighties. Let me know what you think and let me know why. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you all have a great day.